Welcome to the Lucent Lands podcast. We have identified the need for a platform where industry leaders and innovators in the agricultural sector can share their stories and inspire others. We hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we enjoyed speaking to these people. Welcome. Hello, Werner. Good morning. Morning, welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for coming to chat to us um, about what you do. And um, we are very curious and give a, a brief history is that we were at school together. Correct, yes, many years ago. Yeah, many, previous, many, many, previous millennium. many, many years ago. Yeah, previous millennium, actually. Okay. And um, your father, Karl Oppermann, is very well known, used to be the CEO of Agri Western Cape. Correct, right. yes. So, and that's a, a very nice, what you call it, in English? Yes, a point of, of interest and yeah. connection. Yes. So, um, yeah, I think for the people that don't know, you just do a brief introduction of who you are and we, what we're going to drill down into what you do in a, in a, in a second. Sure. Happy. So, my interest, so I work in a world of what we call high finance. So, if you guys know the commercials of Alan Gray, Sanlam, those things, I'm a fund manager. It's exactly what I do. But my interest in the financial services world actually started in 1997. Due to my father's role at that point in time, the agricultural sector was deregulized. So previously, if you were producing something, government bought it mm. and they would sell it on. So in 1997, it got deregulized and you had to enter the open market. So my father was involved in that process and that involved the, what we call futures and forwards, derivative contracts. So I, he, he had to set up structures and I could access to his books that he bought. That's why a little, my interest in the world of high finance got peaked. And I, that's my, my interest to start it, to get involved in fund management, asset management. So from there on, I went to university. I've got a BCom law degree, specialized economics in, in economics. Later, I got a master's degree in financial management. And I'm a Kaya chart holder. It's a specialist in alternative assets, so in non-traditional assets. And then I worked in the world of fund management. I manage money to your typical fixed income, JC shares, U.S. shares, global investments, but my interest was always in agriculture. So I always thought that agriculture is a brilliant investment, investment, and we can go details why it's a good investment for the next phase, but no one else believed me. Or very few people believe that agriculture is a good investment because most people outside the agriculture industry only see agriculture if there's a crisis. They see farm murders, yes. they see droughts, they see something bad. Yeah, the so, negative stuff. Exactly. So there's a bias towards agriculture. So when I would speak to large pension funds, like guys, we want to impact investing or we want to uplift the economy, I said, yes, agriculture is perfectly it's, no, it's too risky. We can't touch it. A lot of the fund mandates, global, so if you're a fund manager, you've got a mandate where you can invest. The default of most of them says no primary agriculture, that's cut off. So agriculture was always off limits as an investment class for its so, investors. So, so uh, and like I said before, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Sure. That's fine. So if, if you say the normal investment sector, that is like the, like the Alan Gray's. Yes. These, I'm just naming as an example. Mm -hmm. So I've got X amount of money. I go to them, I said, right, I want this money to invest to grow. They would not put that into agriculture. They would put it into like stocks. Yes. Or those kind of things. Correct. Okay. So maybe I can give a better bigger picture first. So we talk about asset classes. Now, if you go to your financial advisor and you want a portfolio of assets, be it for savings for your children's education or for retirement, they would say there's five asset classes. They would say it's ESA equity, offshore equity, property, and by property I mostly mean listed property, so shopping malls. The big shopping malls are owned by investment trusts, so it's, that's the one. Uh, one, and then there's fixed income, it's like your bonds, and then offshore fixed income. That's the five main asset classes that your, your person would have to invest in, the traditional, traditional asset classes. So my view is a little bit different. My argument is there's only three asset classes in the world. So the first asset class is a capital asset class, so capital assets. The second one is a consumable, transformable asset. And your third one is a store of value asset. So if we say... Uh, if we start off a capital asset, so a capital asset is something that you value based on a income stream. So if you think about it, if you invest in a company, you're basing your return as dividends the company pays. So you buy shares in the company, you get dividends from the profit. Hmm. Whether in, if I buy a bond, uh, my interest, why well, my return is interest I receive. So that's your capital asset assets. So that's Basically, if you go to a guy and says, I'm going to give you a diversified portfolio, I'm going to buy 40% equity and 60% bonds. It's a minimum risk portfolio. The problem with that scenario is 
there's no diversification. Some diversification, not optimal diversification. The reason being is, if I were to buy shares, let's say Edcon, so you all know Edcon, so many years ago, Edcon was listed. So I buy shares in Edcon now, so it's, it's, it's equity diversification at JC, but I also buy Edcon fixed income bonds. If Edcon went belly up, like Edcon went, I would lose my assets and my equity plus my investment. I'm not diversified. So that's why there's a bit of a misnomer in what your investment universe are. It's quite limited. So most of our industry are investing in what we call vanilla assets, your listed equity, so it's a JSE, JSE and corporate debt in your firm bank. So that's what we, it's the universe that can invest. So it's very, very limited which you can invest. Then you get what we call alternative asset classes, then you enter the world of your hedge funds and private equity. And that's a new development sector. So hedge funds mostly invest in the JSE sector, but what I do differently from other investors is like your Alan Gray, we would call a value investor. That's a style of investment. So they would buy companies that are undervalued. So they would analyze the financial statements and say, the company should be at 100 rand a share based on the value of the company. It's currently at 60 rand, we are buying. Because they expect to recover. That's your typical value investment strategy. Whereas so they're taking a chance on that company. Exactly, everyone's taking a chance. It's, it's all about the risk reward. Okay. So that's a more conservative investment. The alternative to value investing is growth investing. So you're saying, listen, the company's current value is 100 rand. It's currently turning 110 rand. So the value guys is super expensive. But my forecast is these guys are going to win more contracts. They're growing very strongly. We expect the value to go to 140. So now we're buying. And that's where these, these different views on the share creates a market with people buying and selling. Now the hedge funds come in and say, okay, we think company A is overvalued. We're going to short them. That means we're going to sell their shares without owning the shares. So if the price drops, I'm, uh, I'm going to make money. But once you sell something, you get cash. So I take that cash, and we're going to buy the undervalued company. So my hedge funds are effectively getting a gearing in. So it's a different strategy to invest in. But how can they, how can they sell a share if they don't have it? That's, it's part of the, of the listed environment. You can borrow a script. So you can own the shares. I come to you. I'm borrowing it from you. And I pay you a small rental for that, and then I sell it in the market. And okay. that's a shorting how it works. So that's, that's, that's what happened, when was it, two years ago with that old big... Short squeeze. Yes, there was that whole thing that the hedge funds lost millions or billions of dollars. Yeah, GameStop's one example, yes. short squeezes, yes. those kind of things. Exactly. So, so that's your alternative asset strategy. And all this is trying to create a market. Basically, we're all just trying to buy something as cheap as possible and selling it as high as possible. That's all we're doing. Then there's different strategies around that. And that's our universe that we're operating. So now, as a pension, where the most money comes from pension funds in the industry, and so a pension fund needs to comply with government regulations. The main one is Regulation 28. And that defines how much to list, invest in SA and how much to invest offshore and which asset classes, be it SA equity, be it SA fixed income. That's prescriptive. And the small allocation goes to alternative assets, be it your private equity funds, which you invest in directly into a company. So that can be investing into a, uh, a what's the thing, typical product, like a um, AutoZone. That's like you can invest, private equity funds own AutoZone. So okay. that's like uh, companies you can invest in. Um, <clears throat> so like previous like McDonald's, the franchisees were invested in the private equity investment. So that's the unlisted investments you can make. But that mandates would say no primary agriculture. So that means there's very little capital okay. going to the agricultural okay. sector. Okay. Now for me as an investor, it's all about supply and demand. If there's insufficient capital available, there's a mispricing. So there's a higher potential return to be able to be earned by investors by being the first mover into this agricultural world. And that's okay. an opportunity we package into what we're doing in Fagrarius. Okay. So, so because there's nobody doing those kind of investments, you guys are the only ones targeting that sector. So, yeah, so let's, let's go from the farmer side. So we invest in the entire agricultural value chain, not just farming, but just we use farming as easy to understand. So yes. I'm a farmer, and let's just say I'm lucky, I need to the farm. So now I've got a farm, but I need to do something on the farm. So the first thing is I need capital expenditure. So my long-term yeah. expenditure. So let's say I need to plant citrus orchards. As you all know, it's extremely expensive. And so you're not, you can plant, prepare it now, start planting. It's five, six years yes. before you get any income. So what you go, you go to the bank and you ask for a bank for a long-term loan, like buying a house. It's a long-term yes. loan. The bank said yes, but we will only give you, let's say, 60% of the value of, your, of the land. So I can use that money to do all of my development. But now it's used up. I've got no more access. Then what the, your next one of capital, 
would be a bank overdraft facility, but it's short term. It's three months to, to six months normally, and that's very strict. You have to pay it back very fast, very short. Mm-hmm. But that capital capital, working capital, maybe some, some wages, some small items. So that's the one aspect. And then my other longer term expensive, like preparing for a harvest, my fertilizer, my, my pesticide herbicides, I need trade credit. So that might be, let's say, for example, Nexus might be my supplier. They will give me some for the farmer some credit, and I'll go to the Cooperasi. And then the Cooperasi will also give you some credit. So from the cost perspective where we play, we basically in the same way like a corporasi, similar concept. So we, that's somewhat where we fit in the picture. But in this to the discussion, the farmer can also go to your other capital providers, which are more, more aggressive. And that's like uh, unsecured port lending, but then it's quite expensive. You're talking 20, 22% um, interest rates they pay, somewhere in more like 2% a month that they charge. That's only a factoring. So that's a farmer's capital opportunity we set through. So what we do is we fit in with the Cooperasi side, but we provide sort of working capital, kind of trade finance to, to the agricultural community. Uh, but where uh, Cooperasi, if Cooperasi provides, you have to buy from Cooperasi. We say, listen, you can buy with everyone. And we're not competing with Cooperasi, not competing with the banks. We see what's the, what's the unique need you need, and we do a customized solution for a farmer. So it works well, for example, with, uh, with a bank that says, this is a, one of our brilliant clients, we like them a lot. But he had an off-take agreement with, let's say, a large blue chip company. Due to load sharing, this guy's only taking stuff a month, two months later now, but it's, it's still secured, but we can't advance him because he's a limit. So we would come in and we'd say, listen, we'll step in now. We'll provide you the capital. The bank like it because now we pay off his, his short-term for him, mm. and we fit into that, that space. So that's, it's, it's a semiotic financial solution for everyone in the, in the, in, in the agricultural space. That's our first different angle. The second different angle is our money is Sharia compliant. So a lot of our investors are from a Muslim community. So I would say about two thirds are from a Muslim community. The other third is institutional guys who just like what we're doing. So what we do is we do Sharia compliant um, trade finance. But the only difference basically, well, if we do it in a nutshell, what is to be Sharia compliant? First of all, is transparency. So literally, we show our cost of capital, we declare the profit they're making, so it's full transparency. It needs to have certainty. We can't do something it's unsure about. So I can't say maybe it's harvest or finance. There has to be harvest. There has to be certainty in, in the contracts, and it's just to keep everyone honest. As I say, if, you, if you say certainty, if he says he's going to use it for his post-harvest, whatever, he must come back to you and say, What's look, used look, for that? look here, exactly. there's the slips. That's what I used it for. Exactly. Yeah. But it can't be like, listen, I'm going to buy that cow's calf if it hasn't been born yet, because it might be a dead. I can't finance it. The calf has been born first, and then I can finance you. I see. That's the kind of certainty. Okay. And and these investors, they are the people that are giving your company the money. Yes, correct. To be able to do this. Sure. So, so what we do is, is, we're not like lending money. We're actually engaging with businesses on a contract section. So it might be, let's say, a farmer needs fertilizer. I will go and buy the fertilizer. I would sell it to the, I would add my profit margin yeah. to that. And I would sell it to the farmer and sell you can pay me in three months time and six months time when your harvest comes through. So it's actually buying and selling products, which, which we're doing. Or I might say to the farmer, listen, you've got a harvest now coming online. Let's say we can, it's called a salam, it's a forward contract. I say, listen, we can analyze your study. We know you're going to do, let's say, 100 tons of citrus. Um, here's the money now. Please, now, just deliver the citrus to me in six months time. So that's the, and I literally buy it and then we sell it. And that's what we do. Okay. Well, that's, that's incredibly interesting and innovative. So far, yeah. So, um, how long has Agrarius existed and how are you guys doing? And are you South Africa only or are you international as well? Okay. So, first one's easy. Our mandate is global. We can invest anywhere in the world because agriculture is not driven by a country. Mm. It's, driven, it's a global. You have to be... Yes, indeed. Everybody's going to eat. Exactly. Yeah. But also your pricing and the factors. It's like, we're not comp- I'm not competing with an extra farmer. I'm competing with a farmer in Spain from Citrus. I'm competing with uh, my market is America. My market is Russia. It's all over the world. I, I have to think global, mm. all, all of the community. So you can invest global. We are biased towards South Africa. It's just because the area we operate in is where our investors are from. And it's always this bit of a red type of exchange control to move our country. But we are looking at transactions, like in Zimbabwe, looking at Botswana, Namibia, transactions in Mozambique we're looking for. And there's one of the transactions in, we're actually doing now in the Netherlands. So it's global we're operating in. So Agrarius has been going now for just over two years. So where it started off with is, as I mentioned, people don't like agriculture from the world. So we had to, so it was hard to get people. I've been trying to convince people for the last 12 years to do it. And in 2021, the returns on the Sharia compliant investment 
instruments we could invest in was next to nothing. It was way below inflation. So internally, I got approval from the company's balance sheet to get 10 million to do one transaction. We did one transaction where we bought potatoes that were sold to Simba. We made significant returns for a, for a company. I got an additional 100 million, what's a proof of concept, to expand on that. So then we deployed that. And then end of last year, we listed a 10 billion note program with JSE. So it's a 10 billion program with JSE, and we issued the first 500 million. So we're currently deploying 500 million to the agricultural value chain. So by the end of this year, we're going for three years now. That's incredible. So, and the, wow. Yeah, and the plan is to come to market every three to four months, raise more capital for more investors, and deploy the capital to the sector. Okay. So one of the one of the main questions I've I've had is that okay so and and this is because I I I just I, I don't know is that in your case right I come to you and I say right I've got I need to get my citrus crop off or whatever it is wheat or stud cows or whatever the story is. I need to get this thing prepared and get it ready for market and it's valued at, let's say, a million rand. Make it simple. You say, okay, right, look at the stuff. Okay, right, I can give you the million rand, but then you've got to pay me back 1.1 million. Mm -hmm. Am I correct in saying yeah, that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What happens if my crop is a failure mm -hmm. and I, it, it, the money's gone? Okay. So what we do is we do a project-based approach. So what we say is, I'm not looking at your farmers, like a typical, your land is my asset. My asset is the crop. So we would analyze what's the risk on the crop. So we would advance between 20 to 60% on the crop, depending on where it's a recycle. If it's like early stage, let's say it's your citrus, 90 days before you harvest, and it's in an area of no hail, so it's like, it's air hail is quite risky, but it's like a low risk environment, then we can do advance 20% to you, because the chance, if something happens, the chance of you losing more than 20%, uh, of more than 80% of your harvest is quite low. So yes. the harvest would well be our primary security. But, you, but you, you, you're saying that, if you, that losing 80% of your harvest, that's while it's still on a tree. Correct. So that, okay, but, but, but what happens now if everything is done right, and like what we've struggled with the last two seasons is, is logistics and phytosanitary and all those things, yes. and you then lose... So, so you right. don't get the income, I'll you get, just don't get the money back. I, I, I'll get to that point. So okay. if it's the further down the chain, let's say it's back citrus on a hob now going out, then we can advance up to 60%. So it's still about a 40% buffer based on expected sales price in the market. So we do a lot of modeling on that sales side. So when we get involved, we've managed all these risks and the chance of happening is extremely small. So that's what our primary collateral is focusing on. That's what our main focus, but then what we always do is always look for a backup plan if something goes wrong. And our backup plan plan be another harvest. You would find a guy that still have citrus. He might have some other, other operations. So we detect another, other harvest. Let's say it's potatoes, but you also have a boinkus. Then we take a decision on the boink as well. So then the boinkus are backup. So that's the scenario we'll do in that case. And as a fallback, we'll look at other physical assets on that. But otherwise, we'll look at within the framework we can do, we might be just able to roll to the next season. Because a lot of people, it's a long season. The, let's say the season starts, um, uh, February side and ends by December. So mm. we'll probably get the last bit of capital back, but if there's small amounts, it's still outstanding because we couldn't get full harvest. We just work it out to next harvest. And we'll let's we'll contacts from that in place. So but that's the, what I'm But the, the long and short is he's going to have to pay the money back. No, there's still free money. No, no. Well, yeah. we, my my management, I have to protect my investor's capital and I have to yes. get in the return. It's not, yes. it's not free money. But in, but in general, let's say, let's say we come to you now and says, Vanner, we are not particularly agriculture, but we work in agriculture, mm -hmm. we need to expand our business by gear or whatever, and, and we give you a business plan and say we need X. Yes. And if that that business, I'm just using us as, not that I'm asking you for money, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you if you now go and, uh, like I like watching Dragon's Den, mm -hmm. and the people come in the pitch and then, what happens if that business goes bankrupt? Yeah. Do they still owe that investor the money back or? So, yeah, so, so in that case, it's a low worst case scenario. So we only get involved in a businesses where there's little bit of risk. Uh, so we won't come to a distressed business. So yeah. once again, small things will happen, but if it happens, there's normally some assets that goes to a typical bank liquidation process or a bank like in business, in business liquidation process. And then we stand in line with other creditors, depending on how we start the transactions. Okay. But we try to have some, we try to be at least first rank of some of things. We try to ring things like your the harvest because we buy our property, it's ring things. Yes. So long as the harvest comes off, we'll get our money back. The rest business fails, we still first line with harvest. But if the harvest was also gone and a full business collapse, then we look at a 
uh, the Twitter bank uh, being liquidated. They yes. support that line, and that's just the reality. That's okay. what we price in our that's what we price in our return profile. So if we do a hundred investments, yes, one or two will fail, but a profit we make on other investments would cover that failure. I see. So that's how we spread our risk. Okay, and and um, when you say like let, we keep talking about citrus harvest, but let's say a, a crop. If you say you own that crop, it's still the farmer still uses his own marketers, his own exporters. Does the money come to you first, or does the money come to him and he then pay you? Or so, so we're flexible. So what we typically do is we try to work. Well, at the last farmers, we work via exporters. So we go to the, let's say it's a citrus exporter. We go to the exporter and we say, guys, we know currently the situation or the farmers are cash strapped. Um, we know if the cost of shipping is quite increased. We know it's a cash flow crunch. What we can do is we can bring your capital. You will basically then be able to pay the farmer, let's say, vanilla product, advance as he delivers. So as the food arrives at the harbor, you can pay him 60% immediately. That's advance. So now, what that case happens is we agree on a purchase price. We purchase it. It becomes our property. And then what we then can do is we can sell to the export company. Almost like a day later, it sells to the export company and agreed on profit. He goes and exports it. And then if he makes a profit on that, all of that profit gets comes to the export company. Now, those export companies normally have a contract and place to the farmer, but if any surplus gets paid to the farmer. It takes their commission and they pay it to the farmer. So it's, it's, it's like we, it's, it's our crop. We agree on a profit rate, but we cap our, we cap our upside. And then any upside owned up goes to the, well, the farmer or the export agency. Okay. The way you outlined um, the financing of the agricultural sector, how a, farm, a farmer would finance his, his um, operation, is you did a very good job of that. And I, I was involved with farming in my past before, so I've, I know about that. And I think the, um, the gap that you are providing in the market is a very um, positive and, and, and it could be very, very beneficial for farmers to, to have that because you're when you're there and you need that you need that cash flow you it's like a crop loan in a way but but if you're saying you will also buy this, the actual stuff from them and sell it actually it also means that you've got quite a diverse offering it's not just the funding you're right. actually providing a service as well yeah okay, so that's very cool okay so now I'm, i grow my crop i say vanna right i, I need 10 million or whatever amount, you said, right? We buy it from you for 10 million, you know, we can sell it for whatever profit we make. Am I correct? No, so we buy it because our profit. Yeah. And obviously, we're going to, you know, you're not going to sell to your friend for 5 million, pocket 5 million. So, yes. there's any stick rules around it. So, we buy it. There's, there's normally, when you can vault, there's already off takers in place. So, it might be like a PepsiCo, it might be a Tiger Brands, or it might be a Tesco in the UK buying yes. it. So, it goes to the same channel. So, we just fit in existing channels. Or we go to exporters who've got channels for more fruit, but I've got no, they, they, the farmers can supply us in the cash. So then we put, put in. So we get up exporter to optimize these channels. Other example would be a, a processing unit. So uh, this makes a simple example. The mango prices drops toward December, January. Everyone yes. comes back from, from Mozambique from a vacation and they come production, the mango price drops. So they are, the mango processing unit plants will be in advantage they have the capital available to buy this cheap mangoes now put in cold storage and then draw it every month or every week dry it and sell it so in this case it works it brings expansion capital to existing operations so first of all now they get more raw material in they're operational at 100 percent for an entire year so it's, a, it's growth capital we bring for them so it's not just like a crop it's like working capital for businesses we bring to them okay it's i'm it's, it's fascinating it, but i'm just so curious because i just don't know how it works yeah but what you're saying is I can, I understand enough about this to understand what, that what you're offering could be extremely valuable to growers, mm -hmm. to, to any kind of farming. And whether it be uh, domestic, just doing stuff in South Africa and internationally, because so often the farmers are, they've got everything in place, but they're just cash trapped to actually prepare the harvest and get it off. Correct. So to be providing them with that, I think you, you're onto something very, very good there. And um, you, you're saying that your company has really, really grown. So yeah, size-wise, it, it's grown. I would absolutely raise, but okay. remember, this is part of a bigger operation. Yeah. So 27.4 manages about 120 billion dollar a billion rand across different pro solutions. 27.4 is is um, agrarius is below that part no, of it. Yes, exactly. So so 27.4 is a financial services company. So we're diverse. So we are 
Um, first of all, we've got a platform business. So if you're a pension fund, we can do set up a pension fund for you. If you're, let's say you're a small company of 100 employees, you want a pension fund, we can do the entire pension fund legal framework for you. If you're an institutional investor and you want a uh, an investment vehicle, set up a fund, be it via life policy or via a collective investment scheme, we can do it for you as well on our platform site. Then we are just like Alexander Forbes, Towers, Watson, Rescura, we're investment consultants, like your typical actual work, we do the exact same there. And then we are fund managers. We've got a range of financial products. So Agrarius sits in the financial side, so we're the agricultural division within 2004. So we've got a massive back of backing behind okay, us. Okay, wonderful. Thanks for explaining that. All right. And the Sharia law, that's a very interesting thing. When, I, when we considered this, um, when we considered interviewing you, I went and Googled your name and I found somebody interviewing you specifically about the Sharia law thing. That's, um, that's interesting. How's that going? And, and, and is it help? Is, is that really assisting you with your, with your Muslim clientele? So let me put it in context first. Yes, please. So if we look at the African legal framework, yes. our basis is Roman Dutch law. Yes. And literally, your our kind of our contracts, like our, it's empty of the it's our purchase contracts, are based on legal frameworks from two years ago, from the Roman period. So that's yes. where it comes from. Then our commercial side developed later with the English being involved. So that's our framework. But we, and that's in this context, people always joke about Americans with their silly lawsuits. So in our world, be a bit more prescriptive, what we do. Americans say, listen, do whatever you want, but if you mess up, we're going to come after you. So people always say they McDonald's coffee example first got burned, but they said, you, you should have known it's warm. But people don't know is, of course, McDonald's want to be efficient. That coffee is way over 100 degrees Celsius because it's big and fast. It's under pressure, so there's no gas escaping. So the cup of coffee was extremely warm. That's why a person got burned and yeah. it's got sooner. That's a, that's a work for a different legal framework. Yes. So what people tend to forget is that we only focus on the Western world from our concept, but the Islamic world were a very vibrant trading economy for six, seven years now. And it was mostly trading happening between the Middle East and the Far East, like Asia, China, we're exporting out. So that existing legal framework contracts are in existence. So we're just taking like uh, MTM Litio, which is Roman one, we're taking the Sharia contracts, which has been designed for trading because uh, Islamic world is built on trading. We're using existing contracts, which is ideal for what we do and adapt them to the African framework. So. We've got literally South Africa, your typical Afrikaans farmer, you know, got a big of short pants entering into a Morabal contract or Islam contract. Because literally, it's it's not that complex. We just explain all the steps. They understand it and happen to it. It's more clearer than our typical commercial contracts. And okay, that's why it well, works. thank you for that very, very good explanation. Because if you don't know, you don't you don't understand. And it's really great that you can break it down for us so that we can understand that. So, because so, that's unusual. But, yeah. but if you if you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate here now. You get these Stura Boere Engierkerk yeah. people now you're coming to them with a Muslim contract. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure they, there must have been some questions asked on. Mm -hmm. So so far we've only had one case where we didn't want to do it as your principles, but it wasn't the Engierkerk, it was a different Eastern religion. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so just... In South Africa, if you, if you talk about correct. The, the very conservative, you talk yes. about the Engierkerk. Yes. Kind of thing. Mm. But, but remember, the Syria the, the world view also more conservative people. So Syria basically is more conservative. So we've got two conservative groupings that have some principles. They're just because of stereotypes, they don't talk to each other. Yeah. Once you start talking, it's, it's perfect. Exactly. It's what perfect. people tend to forget is Afrikaans was first written in Arabic in Cape Town. So the first Afrikaans word were written in Arabic yes. text. Yes, you're right. So there's actually a very long history between the Afrikaners and the Muslim community. Yes, you're right. So it works. Interesting. That is that, that there is a whole wormhole there about Cape Town's early history and the early history of Afrikaans and how it's evolved since then and, and sometimes people forget those those early beginnings. Mm -hmm. So so that's very interesting. Okay, so you are here and you are you are you are busy working for Agrarius and, and it's getting on. And what what would you like to tell people that are listening to our podcast about how how can they contact your company and how can your company be of benefit or, to or them? More, um, more or anything what, else? what interesting things are you working on yes. at the moment? Hmm? Yes, go there first. So, so I would say in a nutshell, what's Agrarius um, vision is yes. what we want to do is we want to transform the agricultural industry globally from an extractive economy to a circular economy. So we're looking for projects where we can entice the circular economy to get going. So that's what we want to, our, our main objective we want to achieve forward. 
Sorry, I couldn't hear you too. The, what kind of economy? Circular economy. Circular, circular. economy. Circular. Yes. Sorry. Okay. So it's, it's, it's more like um, efficiency. So there's okay. different examples. The typical example would be is, this stuff very basic, mm. is you don't buy a, a, a drill, you buy holes. So if you buy a drill now, it's you waste capital. How can we share a drill with more people? That's one example of circular economy. It's, um, we can do all the downway. Let's say look at the slaughtering environment where people are literally using the blood from animals. They, they're growing flies of it, flies yes. larvae, feeding it to fish. So it's all that circular thing. How we can make it work. Okay, I'm with so you. It's more, it's more about, if, it's not like fluffy green stuff. It's the hard green stuff yeah. that enhances efficiency. Yes. That's what we, we're after. So that's right. what we achieve. So we will provide capital, bring it to the market. What are we looking for? So basically because the analysis is quite intense. It takes a lot of man hours. We prefer not to deal deals less than 5 million. And that's normally just like if there's potential to increase it to higher. So our deal transaction size is between 20 to 50 million. We will start small and see if it can grow. But we start, let's say we start off like a 20 million, then a 50 million, then we can move to 100 to 200 million over time. So that's what we look for. We're looking for anything in the agricultural value chain. And that's broad. So it's from the components of fertilizer, big. So it's all the way through recycling, and everything it touches on it. So it's also importing. So we're looking to import stuff that goes to, to Woolworths now. So finding an import for find Woolworths. So it's all the way through. And we can also look at some technology stuff. We can also look at um, the aspects around uh, leasing of instruments. So like one of the big things we're looking at now is renewable energy, because the farmers have solar panels in place, uh, but ESCOM fixing, they, they need batteries now. So yeah. maybe we can help with the batteries coming in. Or you've got a pipeline, you want to increase your pipeline's efficiency, you want to install these high fancy sorting things. That's like five million five million. But given given the last year bad harvest, you can't afford it. But if you put it five million in now, your harvest, your yield will increase. It's going to increase things going forward. So that's yes. that's the kind of things we can look at as well. It's like a twelve month, twenty-four month financing of those instruments. That's the kind of things we can look at. Interesting we it's pretty to mention names, but Let's talk like the ostrich industry. People understand that 90% of ostrich blends in the country comes from SA. Or globally, globally used comes from South Africa. So okay. all your Prada bags, your Louis Vuitton bags, it's from South Africa. It's from small towns in Africa going through all the extreme luxury oh, wow. products. And that's the project we're working on to watch capital. So the ostrich industry is recovering. So if we can get more capital in the ostrich industry, it will grow more, more operation. So what we're literally doing is from our perspective, we're raising capital from the JSE and having it flowing to small rural parts all across the country. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible because our, the, the rural areas in our country really, really need that. So it's good to hear that in an industry like that is benefiting from what you're doing. And I mean, it, it, can, it can work for everybody in the agricultural sector. Correct. Do you have a lot of people knocking on your doors? We have a lot of people knocking on our doors. Um, we, we take calls from anyone, so we're open to the, in discussions. Because the only thing I do deals, I might know someone can help you or say upfront, listen, we, what we try to do is we try to have our turnaround time in one month. So from engagement to payout within one month. Normally, the, the, what causes delays is the analysis part, so the data we collect. If, you, if you've got a strong accounting team and you've got earnings up to date, that's easier. But unfortunately, a lot of the Farmers have legacy issues, it's like multiple trusts, multiple companies. That takes time for us to analyze, that can cause a delay. And then sometimes the contracting side, because the contract, we use lots of legal firms. You probably heard guys also use lots of legal firms, and the lawyers start talking quickly, two, three weeks is gone. So that, <laughs> yes. our, our goal is to be turn around one month, turn around time. Wow, that's also phenomenal because very often time is money and the people need to get the money in, they need it fast. Correct. Because you, if you're on Facebook on these agricultural groups or LinkedIn or wherever, there's a, a heap of young people, and if, if we can say it, young black people, who's all looking for investment for this big thing. And and be it what it, it might be a chicken farm, it might be a vegetable farm, are those are those the kind of people you're looking for? Or is the risk too high? Or? So, so it's, those are difficult for us to do because there's almost no track record. So we can't trust yeah. them because of track record in the first place. And they're also extremely small. So what we normally try to do in that case is how we do impact investing is we would partner with, let's say, a large commercial farmer and say, look, guys, we're going to keep this capital, but remember, we're an impact fund. There's some criteria. So there's a, there's a green criteria you have to apply to, but we can also do social criteria. So listen, we will finance your butternut harvest for you. Yes. The one condition is there's a guy next door to you, a small emerging farmer. We want you to employ him now to do the harvest on your behalf. So first or, of all, or buy his product. We'll get that one. So, oh. so what we do is say, first of all, when you we'll finance it, but you can't harvest it. You have to hire this guy to do the harvesting for you. That means there's a bit of a skill transfer, but that 
small guy, normally only have enough capital for one of us to be in plants and nothing happens else. There's more capital going to him now from, from his income earning, so he becomes more stable. So that's the first one. Mm. Secondly, when the guys come from Nexus, whoever comes to you to do investigations for your programs, please have them stop him as well and inspect his helpers as well. And if you need all the stuff for wind as well, add it to your freight. So all of a sudden now, the, 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 that small farmer's cost becomes less. Yes. That's the one angle we do to it. And yes, when he goes to market, take his stuff off you to market. So that fits in as well. Other ones we're looking at, for example, would be, let's say we work with abattoir. So we provide capital for the slaughtering. They will supply to your uh, butcheries. We say, guys, what we can do is, uh, the small butcheries in the townships, which you're already supplying, we will can help you to give them with a better credit terms. So we don't, we don't give credit, but we can say, you normally would say you have to pay some one month's time. If you supply to these guys, you can get two months to pay us back. And that's how we can make it work to get a small, small businesses indirectly exposed support. It's okay. just because if you think about our contracting expenses, it's easily 500,000 to a million rands, our yes. legal bill for transaction. So that's why it's difficult to do small transactions. Yes. So is this what you've described? Is it happening quite a bit? It's happening quite a bit, yeah. So we've, we've uh, rolling out now. So we've got a few that's happening. On, it's happening in the... Um, like the example we used for mango one, so immediately I employed more people. You could buy them from smaller farmers. So that's the, the first one. We're looking at our abattoir ones where we're supplying to the townships. Well, it's a different model. So that you've got the prime cuts being exported. Then you've got your other, your processed meat going to Burger King and McDonald's. And then you've got your, your um, slagheiser, your butcher yeah. goes to, and a portion goes to the, to the townships okay. or your boxer stores. So that's the, where we're selling for giving the terms. So that's how we try to get an impact to the smaller guys. Very, oh. very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I'm sure there must be there must be a lot of people that are interested is in there, this. And it, it's a is, way of helping. Yes. It's a way of mentorship and assisting. So it gives people, because mentorship in the agricultural sector, everybody wants it, but it's expensive for the mentor. So if you yes. could, if you can be helping the mentor, they can help the other person. Correct. Is, is, is there success stories where you can name the companies that has come through this ranks? Um, most of our guys are still large commercial ones, so they're already established, and this help to expand them. So mm -hmm. I don't know if I can mention names because we're on the NDAs. That's but, yeah. but what we will be doing is on our social media. So we'll be publishing success stories in the near future. There's multiple steps for us. So there's first the client confidentiality, you need to prove it. Mm. But then because we list it, there's additional oversight we have to do as well. So you need to get like, let's say compliance or JSC just says, I'm going to announce this. Are you happy with it? So we just keep all what we are doing. But most of so far we've had successes. The, 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 we, we say we're a growth fund. Well, first of all, we're an impact fund, we're also a growth fund, both figuratively, so we're helping companies grow, but also literally because we're investing in growing assets. Yes. So our, our main clientele are guys that are have a pipeline to expand, but I need a capital, and the capital building is up to expand. So that's, we also can't have any specific success stories yet. Okay. But, okay, so. <laughs> We've known each other for a long time. We've had some dealings after school, but not not a lot. So it was it's good now. I I know more now. But if if you go to a function or um, a bry or whatever, and you're standing around a fire and people ask you what do you do, mm -hmm. what do you say then? Because because now this is quite a mouthful of all the stuff. Elevator pitch, basically. Yes. Yeah, to, to <laughs> explain. But I'm easy. I can say, well, I take photos. Yes. And Louise can say, well, she's a writer. Mm -hmm. But what do you say? So I, I normally, depends on the audience, you have to see what, what the framework of reference is. But yeah. most I tell the guys, I'm a stockbroker. Because okay. people have an idea what stockbroking is. They think of buying and selling shares. So yes. I'm not really a stockbroker in my world, but I'm a stockbroker, I'm buying and selling listed instruments. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, but it's actually small tweaks. I actually manage money by allocating to other funds or allocating to stock uh, to shares. Mm -hmm. But then one step further, I'm actually one of the, also the guys doing the actual investments on the ground. Hmm. So that's why I explain that I'm a stockbroker, or think of me as your actuarial consultant. People have nothing to do with actuary does. That's but when you when you started going down this rabbit hole, and you, because I know you were involved with quite a few of these organizations, and like you said, everybody's kicking against agriculture. How did this small crack open up to get through? What sure. So I think it's probably a benefit of COVID. There's, okay. there's a few reasons. So first of all, the interest rates dropped significantly. So all of a sudden now, I'm a man, let's say I'm a normal fund manager, my mandate is to outperform CPI plus three. The equity market were looking a bit dicey, not going to get my CPI. My fixed income instruments, my government bonds or my other bank paper were giving me like four or five percent. My inflation was pushing six, seven percent. So now I'm going to miss my mandate. Now I'm forced to think a bit differently. 
looking for other stuff. So what I can bring is, I said, guys, I'm offering you a higher yield, so that piqued the interest. So people got, got yeah, interested. Obviously. But then at the same time, people started asking of COVID, supply chains collapsing. They saw empty shelves. They saw shortages developing. And all of us but this, this agriculture is quite important for us. So I have to get involved, not just because of the return I can get, but for the society as a whole, it's important. So now, from that side, agriculture is becoming a bit more topical now. So there's more interest now. And people were also realizing we assumed agriculture was very really risky, but we invested in safe businesses that got destroyed in COVID. Yes. So now, maybe I was wrong in my biasness against agriculture. What I thought was safe was actually not safe. Yeah. So now people's risk appetite has also a bit changed a bit more. Very interesting that, that COVID has been such a shake-up in so many ways. And things like suddenly realizing that the agricultural sector is actually the, the star of the show that kept, kept feeding our, our country through the whole COVID time because people were plowing away at the agriculture, doing it, getting on with it. And suddenly, as you say, eyes focused, suddenly things, other stars didn't have the luster that they, they had previously. And suddenly people were realizing that the agricultural sector is is actually really what has been driving South Africa. It's, it's the rock star sector of South Africa, Correct. actually. Yes. And it's good to see that um, people that never wanted to look at it before are looking at it now. So that's very cool to hear. Yeah, so it's picking up. Fantastic. Okay. Sure. And, and so looking forward, what, are, what is Agrarius thinking? Where are you thinking of going? How are you planning to grow this? What, what, do you, what are you guys... How do you see the future? I've got a question connecting okay. to that. You... Okay. Yeah. So the first thing is, we're still doing amazing stuff. It's raising capital, deploying capital, and getting capital back and paying off coupon. That's our main objective for the next year. And our plan is we continue building our pipeline, continue engaging with agricultural businesses, building out our, our, our basic contracts, getting contracts with more user-friendly. So that's because it develops with time, especially now we've got getting, like you mentioned before, we've got Inkikai guys and Sharia guys talking the same language now. So that's the big focus we're doing on. And then what we're doing is we are, we'll continue our capital raising on a global level. So we'll go to Europe to engage with those companies who are interested in that. We're going to the Middle East because they also need food security. Now you can invest in a company that actually exports to your country. So that's what we're going to be pushing forward. And then we're going to be continuing call it flag and flag for agriculture. That's our main focus. Wow. And, and fantastic. The, the, the question I've got is, okay, we've only been talking about people that will need money, but what about people that's got money that want to, how do you, because there's growers worldwide, not just South Africa, that has got a lot of money, mm -hmm. and it's it's a fact. How do how can somebody that's a mega grower, producer, get involved in this? Can he find you as well? And I've got I want to give you ten million rand. He sort of, so uh, <laughs> he can call me, but what about, and then I'll tell him yes, this is what you do. We've got two options. If it's we more than 10 million, let's say it's like 50 to 100 million. We can do a bespoke investment for you. We can develop an investment program and invest into something that you want, like a bespoke agricultural fee. Or if you want a generic solution, you buy it by your stockbroker. And it's literally, you can call it FMB, um, talk to your FMB stockbroker, and you can buy our instruments as listed as JSE. So it's the whole idea. We literally want to create investment vehicles for people to, for man the street to invest in agriculture. Okay. And that's literally by your stockbroker. But if you find your stockbroker says, I want to invest. A thousand rand a month into agrarius, I can do that. You can do it. There's just two two angles around it. So the JSC has two components. There's a JSC share market, which you all know, and then there's something that used to be the B side, the bond market. So we listed on the bond market that was bought by a JSC a few years ago. So to be a member of the JSE, you need to have a large balance sheet and a lot of exams. So that's what the stockbroking firms do to counterparty. So I'm always trying to think of that. People in the legal world, you can't just go to the, to, to the court. You have to go by an attorney and by an advocate. Mm -hmm. So you can't just buy, buy our instruments. You have to, to go by a stockbroker. It fulfills the same function for side, but not all attorneys can go to court. You need to have specific qualifications. So not all stockbrokers can trade on the debt markets, the bond market. Mm. There's only a handful, but it's mostly the big banks. So all the banks are your like your your FMBs, your yeah. standard banks that you can trade them, and then your specialist stockbrokers like Perisic, your large stockbrokers can do that. So you can just give them a call. We've got a, like uh, a ticket for um, ASA. It's like a typical share code. Our share code is Agri A1. So that's our our share code, it's available on JSE. You talk to your stockbroker. If he's allowed to take the market, he can literally buy and sell stuff for you. So simple oh, as that. The only catch currently is there's more people willing to buy than to sell. So currently there's a shortage of instruments available. I know of a pipe, I've got about a pipeline of about 20 million rand of people looking to invest and they just don't want to sell at the moment. Okay. And what and, and for somebody that wants to invest with you, 
what kind of returns could they be looking at? So it's market link. So how it works is we come to market and people bid for instruments. And depending on if more people bid, lower rates. If less people bid, higher rates. So currently our rate is we call Zybar plus 4.75%. So your Zybar rate is similar to your prime rate. So your prime rate is what you, if you lend from a bank, Zybar is what banks lend to each other. So the current Zybar rate is about 7.45%. So our current yield is 12.22% for this month. And every month for three sets. If, 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 if the stock comes on a TV and announces higher rates, our rates will increase. If they announce lower, ours will decrease as well. So it okay. fluctuates. So currently it's about 12.2%. Okay, but in general, it's about, what do you say, about 5% more than what? It's uh, it's Jaibar, three months yeah. Jaibar plus 4.75%. That was the coupon was struck on that. Okay. So if you just look at Jaibar, it's 7.45% plus 4.75%. Okay. So it's about 12% return on the moment. Okay. Interesting. Extremely mm. interesting. And I, I think we know, we know a lot of people that would, would seriously benefit from what you're offering. And the, I mean, the best of luck with it. I think it's, okay. it's, it's really nice to hear the confidence that you guys have in the agricultural sector. When, when as you say, most other people go, no, agriculture is too complicated. Yeah. There's always some drama. There's always, when you, you only hear about agriculture when things go badly. Mm. But actually, when things are going well, it does extremely well. And it employs such a huge amount of people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've been in the investment industry in about 16 years, and I've, I've worked on many non-agricultural projects. We think it goes wrong as well. So things go wrong all over the place. Yeah. It's just not always well marketed when yeah. things go wrong. So we've all heard about the big play-ups in JSE or the Enron sagas. It happens everywhere. But yeah. agriculture has a bit of a negative bias towards that. Yes. Do you have any oh. other questions? Yeah, well, I, I can sit and talk about this for a long time okay. because it's interesting. Um, it is extremely interesting. Yeah. So, do you have a typical client? Um, I would say a typical client. I what? mean, what like like if you were to go and look at the sectors, the people that are investing with you, the people that are speaking to you. Okay, let, let, let's change that. You said you had a question. No, I, I've asked that, but okay. but to to make it more direct. Which parts of the agri sector would you like to get more involved in? Okay. So I would say we try to build a diverse portfolio. So we have much exposure all across the board. Yes. So one I would like to get involved in, but for, currently we can't, is your summer summer or winter grains. Just because the risk is so high. It's okay. it's extremely wrong. We can't get involved at the moment. That's one we'll make a plan. That's probably one we'll is, it, is it just because the risk is too high that you can't? It's just too high. It's just, it's, if you look at a typical uh, cyber, yeah. he's normally currently now quite highly geared. His, his assets are marginal, so he's the real assets, and his harvest depends on if there's rain or not rain. Entirely yeah. on it's the heavens. Nature. The, exactly. The so that's extremely. So we can probably start looking towards the guys doing irrigation. Um, like Spilpinter, so those guys probably can look at that, but it's still quite significant risk on that sector. Yes, I know, I know that um, because I, I, we do a lot of work with Agricu, is that I know that Valley, Valley has got a partnership with, with a bank, as well as Agricu has got a partnership with, a, I can't remember exactly which bank it is, but if you want to put up an Agricu pivot, you said, oh, I need X amount, and then they will fund it via that bank. Correct. Yeah, we, can, we can do the same. Exactly what we do. Okay. So, so that's guys we look at. But then also what we're trying to do is instead of you selling on Safix, maybe we can sell, you can get a, a Miller close by. We'll take it from you. So that means you can save on transport costs. It's more environmentally friendly and it's better for everyone. So that's the kind of things that we'd like to do in that space. So okay. that's what we'll play out. Our other couple of clients, I think the guys probably that's in need now would be the citrus guys. So we've got some capacity for citrus, guys yeah. looking for citrus funding. Uh, and guys that are, like you mentioned, apples and pears coming online, there's probably going to be need there. Yeah. And then also, also the grapes. Grapes, yeah, they're, they're talking about as well. And then also, don't forget packaging material. Yes. It's quite expensive. Yes. And what we discussed with guys last year, because if you can pay in advance, so we can buy you capital to pay in advance, yeah, you discount. get like a, a missive discount, like 18% discount and certainty. So that's the kind of things what we would get if we're looking for that. But otherwise, we are not like a bank. It's not like a default product. Come with us what your needs are and we'll still make a plan. Okay. That's, that's in, I can just think of a whole heap of things. Lots, lots of things and lots of people that we know and people that, that we won't, we can't really go down the road of mention names. But I think there's. But out of, out of curiosity. Okay. So I, I had a discussion. Not a discussion, it was something that popped up in my Facebook with a grower down in Eastern Cape. 
but they grow vegetables. Mm -hmm. So he says they got, and he was growing Brussels sprouts, um, high intensity Brussels sprouts, and he produced 165 tons, and he got eight rand a kilo, between eight and nine rand a kilo for his product. Now it goes to big supermarkets. Yes, yep. there's only a few of them, and they sell it at 115 rand a kilo mm. on the shelves to the Joe Soap. I don't know if this, I'm just curious, is there a way that you guys have maybe thought that we can get, especially with vegetable growers, to get it more direct access so that the general public can buy more direct? Because the, the main supermarkets, they're coming with these things that, and we've got a cold chain, mm -hmm. which often doesn't work, and now with low chaining, it really doesn't, if you go into our supermarkets, the produce is up to crap. They've got storage and logistics and the footprint and all the bank shoot. Is there anything that how we can get these guys to market directly? So, so have you thought about that? Yeah, we've thought about we're actually engaging some of the guys supplying to the supermarkets. So it's like big well, warehouses or distributors and buy from the farmers for some contacts they have to the supermarkets with cases ones. And people also just remember, you get eight rand for a cabbage, you deliver a hundred. By the time it reaches the supermarket, twenty is been just damaged or destroyed. So it's also quite a loss factor as well. So that means also be recouped from supermarkets. But yes, the pricing is there's a big mismatch between what the consumer pay and what the farmer gets. So we are looking at the direct options, but it's quite difficult because the, the, the actual distribution is, is intense. So there was during COVID, there was a company called Terra Madre, they Robo. Oh yeah, I've, I've met them. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah, brilliant yeah. concept. So they started the process that they they got somebody. They, they, they initially all over the Western Cape. Well, yes, from Metropolitan, but they had also the There was a the girl that that, that paid it. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, exactly. I've, I've been there. I've, remember that photo I've got with the girl holding the the eggplant or the yes, yeah. That was, that was that's, a, that's a brilliant solution. They had a fantastic cider as well that they produced. Yeah, ciders. They do also the pelican pies because they're yes, the yes, so correct. Yeah. So what they did is they had like twice a week someone come to Cape Town and then with distribute from there or from others where else. So that was one model, but it's a very niche market. Yes. Mm. So, so that's what and, you and do. It's, and it's based. It's focused towards the, the affluent yeah. user. Exactly. So that's the, the affluent user mostly. And to scale that becomes difficult. Yes. So if you, if you think about a logistic change that uh, the typical Woolworths, just so my place in Seapoint, I look out in the Woolworths, there's trucks coming from five o'clock in the morning delivering. And it's yes. almost like I can't just have one truck with everything because of rules. I have to one truck for milk, one yes. truck for meat, one truck for, for, for fruit. Yes. So the, the logistics is the biggest, biggest nightmare yes. to, to, for a farmer to make access to it. And the consumer will probably not be better off if you have to incorporate that pricing. Yes, I've, I've. And this is a global over. problem. Sorry, this is a global issue. It's not just here. It's everywhere in the world. The farmer, what the farmer actually gets back in his pocket after the whole supply chain is paid out and the consumer has bought it, is is a very small part of of what the final cost is. It's how it is. And if to change that, you'd have to completely revolutionise the whole supply chain in order to achieve that. But it's interesting how farmers' markets have become a lot more a lot more supported, yes. mm -hmm. and it, a farmers' market is is almost like a leisure activity. You yes. go there to walk along and to and kind you, of browse. And, you, and you're going there, you know, you're going to be spending money. Yes, yeah. and you, you don't go there with an empty you, you're wallet. Actually, going there for leisure in a way, mm -hmm. and you're buying some nice stuff while you're there. It's not like going to supermarkets. Completely different environment. Okay, so one thing that we're looking at, but it's like a few years down the line, is need this data. So big data is coming more popular now, but it's not available yet. So what you can start looking at is looking at buyer patterns in the city, and mm -hmm. you can see which days of the year people are buying, let's say, tomatoes or buying something else. So you can start optimizing your farming supply chain. So which farming area would have the highest potential yield, most efficiently produced, the most cost effective way to service that specific week in that city, and linking it back to it. That's the only way you can get the direct way. How are you going to get that data? So we've got some projects we're working on. But it's a, as I say, it's, it's quite long because it's data mining. Yes. It's first collecting and then data mining. So that's the only way you can get probably directly going. So I'll get to the, so, so the solution would be almost like a ghost kitchen. You guys know what a ghost kitchen is? No. I've, I've heard the term before somewhere, but I've got no idea. Okay. So in a city now, if you go on your phone, you order Uber Eats. Okay. Yeah. They don't actually go to the closest KFC. There's a called fast food restaurants in buildings with no logos on it. That kitchen makes a McDonald's and a KFC burger. Oh. So the Uber guy arrives there and he just 
picks it up. So they have everything. Then it gets delivered to you. You think it's maybe the closest KFC has delivered it. That's not how it actually works. So what you can do with this data now is if you can get like the central unbranded warehouse, so you might buy from Woolworths, but that same warehouse or shop supplies pick and pay and checkers. It just gets put in this Woolworths bag. So it's the yeah. same going through there. But if you know which area is going to be demanding it, so you link it to that. So that, but that's once it gets three to five years in line. Just a lot of but, will, but will will those be private individuals that set set up those poly no, distribution? It will be large corporations doing that. Okay, so so checkers and pick and pay and Woolworths will be working together and footing the bill for the or it might be another company setting it up and we're approaching for a contract with Woolworths and a contract for pick and pay oh. to say, listen, uh, give me your packaging, give me your because you all know if you you can buy something you buy Woolworths yes. and pick and pay the same supplier, same yes. packaging. Exactly. Yeah. So you can do the same thing. There's a couple of the like I was at a cucumber farmer the other day and he explained to me the difference between a, a checkers cucumber and a Woolworths cucumber. And it was quite fascinating. <laughs> and yeah. it, 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 well, it's exactly the same product, but you pay three rand more just because it's got less of a bend. Yes. Mm. So it's, it's optimized for the customer needs. Yeah. So that's yeah. the only way we can get a farmers directly in. So but that data must be available. No, it's not. They're just not giving it to you. That's no, not available because you, you because how, how does Woolworths know that their clients prefer a cucumber with if you put it down with the bend like so you've got a gap at the bottom, it's one point five centimeters or less, and checkers is two point five centimeters. So that data is available, but a data to say in this area, this square kilometer, what's the demand for for cucumbers? What's the demand for them this this day of the year? that still needs to be developed. Oh. Because that is a link back to your supply chain, so you can optimize your, minimize your wastage. I, I do think they will have something like that, because how do they buy? They, co they can't just go and buy so if just because no, buying if, if buy. talk to them, so one of the biggest things that is, Woolworths those guys have, for, well, everyone, just Woolworths, is miss sales opportunities. So a person would walk into Woolworths looking for a cucumber. There's no cucumber on the shelf, because the supply chain fails. Yeah. They're losing millions for that. So that, they've battled the same issue. So that's the product. Another thing that's happening also, big data is a massive thing we're doing in my industry. So like one of my former colleagues, they're on a stockbroker, a high-end stockbroker. They do analysis for fund managers. So this is a bit scary, but they don't just analyze the company based on financial statements now. They are collecting data. So they've got agreements with, let's say, Tracker, you know, Tracker company. Mm. They will look at a shopping mall. Let's say Tiger Valley up the road, yeah. right? They will map the cars going to Tiger Valley from which streets in Durbanville. Then based on the house valuation, which is public noise, they can have an idea what's the spending power going through the mall. So they model the spending power to Tiger Valley based on people coming and going, or on the cars arriving where it's coming from. And then they can probably linking that now to what's the, what's the shops in Tiger Valley. Now you duplicate it with all the shop rights, all the rules across the country, mapping a data, so they've got an idea what's the spending power to enter to it. So now that's step one. Now they've got um, computer program or machines scanning the internet, looking for checker specials, looking for other kind of specials, pulling that data, wrapping it in. Then they also look at what's the profit rainbow make, what's the rainbow financials, linking it in to model what's the return profile of a shop out to the Woolworths. So that's the data that's becoming available. Now we just want to go, we want to go one step further, see, can we see what's consumer paying on a daily basis for people? That's coming. And you give access to that by clicking, I accept terms and conditions. <laughs> all of you. Yeah. But a lot, a lot of stuff is even you don't accept. Because yeah. like if your phone years now Yeah, everything's tracked. We we are being tracked. Correct. But but but, but not even willingly. So basically, um if you sit here now and I've got a let's say a Wi Fi scanner, I can based on the strength of the signal, I can probably build a map out of you sitting here. Because I can see a signal getting strong here, the movement signal is weaker. So I can see something here. And yeah. more signals I have, I can look like a Wi-Fi radar. And I can start mapping it. Now you can start linking. If you walk into a shop, I can, I, I, it was just a Wi-Fi signal for this phone. I can map you walk around. So if you walk into to Tiger Valley, for example, it picks you up there and then it walks which shops you went to. And then you can, if you stand on a specific shelf, people see you spend more time with interest. What was in the shelf? And those things are in the shops? It's in the shops, yeah. <laughs> but once again, because you're not keeping, you don't need to permission for this because it's a signal you sent. Yes. Because it's, like saying, it's, just, it's available. Yes. Now, obviously, with cameras, that kind of things, it's also available. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> is anything like, like those kind of technologies that has come to you for, for agriculture, interesting high-tech things for agriculture? So, so we also run a VC fund. So there's quite some interesting thing coming through, like a venture capital fund. Yeah. So, and a private equity fund as well. So some of the interesting things there is like LiDAR, 
Yeah. So that's for like tips of stylus, yes. that's ones, but we're also linking it to drones now. So that's like stuff that we invested in, not drones, but the LiDAR components that are being made. So we, yeah. we actually want to be global leaders in LiDAR. We're supplying all the wool. So that's one of South Africa. South Africa, yeah. Oh. So the company we invested in. But not as agrarious as our bigger group. Yes. So that's the one area that picks up. So that's moving on. And one guy, uh, I can tell, I'm not sure I can tell much about it, but they've yeah. got like a camera now that drives up and down. You put it in the motorbike. Yeah. It drives up and down the orchards. And it does a scanning of the fruit to give yeah. a harvest estimate. Yeah. And then it gives a ripeness. So that's the one that's quite interesting. It's quite a bit more than the ones we've seen. So that's what's quite interesting yes. popping up. And what I think is also going up now is, it's not like new, new, but it's hydroponics. I think there's been quite a jump in hydroponics availability. So it comes back to my argument as if you can map where the person will be buying, what's going to be buying, you can start growing like a ghost kitchen. So you can have like a vertical farm on a roof in, in Cape Town. So now I'm in my office, um, I know I'm going to be ordering it. So my tomatoes, I place my order, and as I walk out of my office, there's a package for me in this lobby, and I pick it up. So that's one thing that's going to come through. So fascinating. Very, very interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then people think agriculture is just having a big plot of land somewhere. Uh, yeah, so I've been on farms here with South African tractors, fully South African tractors. It's, it's still, look, it's still a human behind it, because laws. Yes. But it's, um, I like that model, is on the farm, they've got uh, the tractor with a satellite sensor on top of it. Yes. And then uh, points around it, they put sensors as well, like a beaker of silence. Yeah, the RTK things. That's that John, exactly, yes. John so, Deere and all these guys. Try that. So, but the point there is the accuracy increases. So now <coughs> it's more accurate than a human can drive it thing. So it's like a 2.5 centimeter accuracy. Well, probably going down to one centimeter accuracy. That means you, one tractor drives. Uh, and you start blowing, but it's linked to the data of the previous season's harvest. Yes. So you know, this literally this five centimeter is a lower yield. I need to get a bit more fertilizer, Correct, but now yes. I give it exactly where it's needed. So I use less fertilizer. Yes. So it becomes more efficiency. So now, and then I come through, I plant by a millipede, the one comes behind and puts the, uh, the fertilizer right next to it, so I use less. Yes. So that's, that's like the most efficiency we'll pick up first. And a new plant is put both down at the same time. Exactly. Fertilizer, the seed, Correct, yeah. If that particular spot needs two grains of fertilizer, it will put that so. in. It, yeah. it, so, this thing your fertilizer will drop significantly. Yeah. Incredible. Okay, well, the, we, have a, we have a tradition that we started with our podcast, mm -hmm. and that is that we ask the previous person to have a random question for the next person. They, Just, don't, they don't know who it is. They and don't you know, don't and know we also from. don't know who the next person okay. is when we wait. And um, our previous uh, person that we interviewed was Justin Chadwick. He is the CEO of, of the Citrus Growers Association. Mm -hmm. And we asked him this question and he, he just came up with an interesting question. And that is, it is really random in this circumstance. It's, what is your favorite fruit and why? Favorite fruit and why? Uh, I'm a bit biased for a project I'm working on, but uh, one of the fruits I... I, I, I like it. It's actually two. It's bananas because I like to. It's just easy to eat. It's easy. It's easy peel. It's, it's nutritional. It's good for energy. I used to know running, so that's one of the ones I like a lot. And, and it's potential for nutritional value across reduce. It's yeah. what I like. But I don't what I like now. It's more than modern foods. What we're doing now. So what I'm liking it now. It's still brand new. It's not even available yet. It's pomegranates. Okay. Yes. But seedless pomegranates. Good Where heavens. are you going to get that from? It's, it, uh, it's happening now. It's a cultivar register. It's being promulgated now on a form of a ketberg. So that's like, so it's like nice and juicy. It's, it's amazing. So it's a nice one. And it's, okay. uh, it's, um, like to explain, it's, there's no pits in it. Yeah. So that's, it's a South African thing. Where does it come it's, from? Sure. I'm not going to, it's yes and no. There's South Africa involved. Turkey is involved. And some other guys are involved, but the IP sits here. Good heavens, now that was a far more interesting answer than, than so, we were expecting. <laughs> so that's what I like. It's like, an, it's like, and it's not like this GMO stuff. It's just like cotton. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, like, yeah, so it's, it's like breeding. That yeah. So that's yes. the kind of food that I like. Because we work a lot with those kind of things. Yes. So, so, yes. so we'll definitely go check that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Who manages the IP on that thing? So I know the guys. I, uh, maybe I'll ask them if you want to have an interview. Yeah. But that, that is definitely something we would love to follow. Yeah, there might be even people that we know. Yeah. Yes, because people think of potatoes. This is, this is not potatoes. There's a, yeah, there's, there's a tip potato. We can bring more of those things into our, into our community. Because your nutritional value will increase. 
because you get a more diversified interesting and we spoke about Woolworths earlier and they do that we, my family are big potato eaters. I think mm. there's, a, there's a long, there's a very strong Irish gene there. So yes. we, we potato eaters. But we, and we, there are we, all we, kinds we, of... The public needs to become aware exactly. of this because... So, but you go and you see the different types of potatoes available. Yes. Whereas that diversification and that, 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 that um, um, range of choice is not available at other supermarkets. Mm. So they are very good at that. And that's definitely something that can be expanded. So interesting about potato. So we all know about the French Revolution. Yeah. Now, if you look at our history, civil strife happens because of lack of food. Yes. That's the main reason. So yes. right now, we we are, if you look at history, we're 1950s environment now. There's a high risk of a global war breaking out. Mm. It's the exact same scenarios. The reason for the French Revolution happening in France is because the French were still biased towards wheat, whereas Belgium and other countries moved over to potatoes. So if you think of the warfare in that era, if there's warfare happening, it's large battlefields, so your crop gets destroyed. So it's easy to burn a wheat field. It's yeah. hard to burn a potato field. So if the French had moved over to potatoes as a staple, as one of the staples, the chance of the French Revolution happening would never was less. So the chance that the French Revolution, which sets off the American Revolution and our modern world, would not have happened if they used potatoes. So that's like a small world agricultural place. Fascinating. So, but thank you very, very much for your time. I think we oh. can sit here the whole day, but I think we. We should, we should wrap it up. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, just thanks for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rena.